Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Well, it was bound to happen. Everybody and their brother are trying to use facial recognition software for all sorts of purposes these days, despite its record, to date anyway, of being not very accurate in actually identifying individuals correctly, especially individuals of color and individuals who happen to be women. And while we're avoiding saying, we told you so, we are sad to report that a fellow named Robert Williams was arrested and held for 30 hours, accused of robbing a luxury jewelry store that he'd not even been in at the time of the robbery. He was, of course, African-American. And the image that supposedly was used to identify him was from a low-resolution surveillance camera in the store that supposedly matched his driver's license photo. Except, of course, that it really didn't. In this case, fortunately, the mess got straightened out. But after the poor fellow had his life turned upside down, including being arrested in front of his wife and children. This all happened recently in Detroit, and the police chief there, James Craig, tried to explain that his department usually used other info as well as the facial recognition software in making any arrest, a process that in this particular case was a bad joke. But what he had to say about the accuracy of the software his department uses was quite eye-opening. Quote, If we were just to use the technology by itself to identify someone, I would say 96% of the time it would misidentify. End quote. Let's repeat that. Quote, 96% of the time it would misidentify. End quote. Now, granted, that is one police chief's off-the-top-of-his-head opinion. But even so, why are we using software like that? The Detroit police are certainly not the only ones using this somewhat less-than-accurate software. In fact, police departments, federal agencies, and lots of private companies are using one version or another of this stuff every day. And they can, because, of course, there is absolutely no regulations that say they can't, or even that say, even if they can, they shouldn't. There is no law. But as of June 30th, 2020, there's a pretty heavy recommendation from the U.S. Technology Policy Committee of the ACM. You may recall that ACM stands for Association for Computing Machinery the largest society of computing professionals in the world, which includes in its membership virtually all of the inventors of the Internet still with us today. Here's what the ACM had to say about facial recognition software. Quote, The ACM U.S. Technology Policy Committee, USTPC, has assessed the present state of facial recognition technology as applied by government and the private sector. The committee concludes that, when rigorously evaluated, the technology too often produces results demonstrating clear bias based on ethnic, racial, gender, and other human characteristics recognizable by computer systems. The consequences of such bias, USTPC notes, frequently can and do extend well beyond inconvenience to profound injury particularly to the lives, livelihoods, and fundamental rights of individuals 
in specific demographic groups, including some of the most vulnerable populations in our society. Such bias and its effects are scientifically and socially unacceptable. For both technical and ethical reasons, pending the adoption of appropriately comprehensive law and regulation to govern its use, oversee its application, and mitigate potential harm, USTPC urges an immediate suspension of the current and future private and governmental use of facial recognition technologies in all circumstances known or reasonably foreseeable to be prejudicial to established human and legal rights." End quote. Wow. And further down in that document, quote, policymakers should thus immediately enjoin the use of facial recognition technology by corporations and governments pending the creation and adoption of legal standards for its accuracy proportional to the potential harm such systems may cause to misidentified or non-identified individuals, end quote. That is a statement worth every politician in the country reading. Meanwhile, some governmental bodies have figured out that facial recognition technology software is not at all ready for prime time. San Francisco, and now the entire state of California, have forbidden their government agencies from using facial recognition software. Several towns in Massachusetts have followed suit, including, most recently, Boston. But, sad to say, this is still a drop in the bucket. And while useful, the rules that these municipalities have adopted are not exactly the same across the board. Several of the big companies that make facial recognition software, IBM, Amazon, and Microsoft, have announced that they will stop selling facial recognition software to police departments in the U.S. until there are national guidelines for the use of the technology. For now, with the exception of a few towns and one state, it's up to those who use the technology to decide what they can or cannot do with it. That is never a good idea. Meanwhile, Many Americans are spending even more time in front of their various screens in these days of COVID-19. Many school kids will be going to school via the internet this fall, as they did in finishing out this past school year. And many people are working from home if they have jobs that will allow it. Many, but far from all. Millions of school children at least 9 million, according to the National Center for Education Statistics, don't have access to high-speed internet. That's true for many millions of Americans of all ages. The Federal Communications Commission, in an estimate that's been shown to be way low, says that number of people is about 21 million. But many experts think it's at least double that number. And Microsoft estimates the number as high as 162 million. Most of those folks, however large the number is, live in rural areas. You know, like most of what Maine is. Though there's no firm number for those without access to high-speed internet in Maine, reasonable estimates put that number at nearly 20% of the population. In today's digital world, that is a ridiculously high percentage at any time. 
in this COVID-19 time, which most health experts, as opposed to some politicians, think will last for months and maybe even years to come, those folks without that high-speed access are at a huge disadvantage for school, work, business, culture, and even participating in government. There's a measure on the ballot in the June 14th Maine election designed to address at least some of that digital inequality. Question one would authorize a state bond of $15 million to be matched by up to $30 million of federal funds to expand high-speed internet access to parts of Maine that do not have it available now. Organizations ranging from the Maine State Chamber of Commerce to most of the state's major newspapers to advocates for low-income Mainers are urging a yes vote on that question. It's worth our time as voters to look into this question and to make an informed vote when we fill out our ballots, whether absentee ballots or in-person ones. This is a case where a bit of tech understanding can be a big help in exercising our democratic franchise, which actually we think is the case on a whole raft of important issues. And we'll do our best to try to aid that understanding in any way we can, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.